As Ian mentioned, all our readings are from Matthew, but we're dodging around a bit. So I will only tell you the chapter and verse. So we start off with Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Verse, chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Chapter 22, starting at verse 35. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the precious word of God. Good morning. (laughs) Several months ago, uh, when the preaching team met, and uh, we opened all our diaries, I said I'd be free this uh, Sunday. And I thought, okay. But then when I got home, I opened the book and found the title of this talk is Love. And I thought, what an awesome responsibility that is. And uh, especially amongst the congregation where I've seen so much love in action. But first, let me start by reading you a love letter. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I have felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you will take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. (laughs) So, when I actually started looking at the the book and this uh, talk, which is titled Love, I actually saw very carefully that the topic was more about understanding how, as followers of Christ, we don't have to live our life under the straitjacket of Jewish legalism. Goody, something Jewish for me to get my teeth into, I thought. So following the theme of our study book, Whole Life, Whole Bible, I'm going to concentrate on unpacking those three, verse, uh, those three passages that, that was read to us so well by Anne this morning. Uh, however, I don't think I should get away lightly and I will come to the subject of love. So last last week, Barbara sort of skipped over what the subject of uh, our progression through this study book, and uh, it would have been where Jesus started his ministry by going to his people, to the synagogues, to preach. This week, we come to 
the part of, the, of his ministry where he starts to preach to the people. And uh, he didn't get a very good response from the, the Jewish establishment, but he, he came to preach and heal people where they were at. So let's roll up our sleeves and start on these three readings to, today. So the first two uh, readings come from the, what, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this Matthew uh, 5, verse 17, states that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Now, I'm sure, like me, you've read these passages many times before, but I always find it amazing how God will speak in different ways when you come and refresh yourself with, with the word by going back to it. I was struck by the truth here that uh, if the law had not been abolished, then it must remain, but be fulfilled. So what relationship do we have, or should we have, with the law? And if it now is fulfilled, what, mat what does that matter as well? But I also pondered on, well, what was the purpose of the law ultimately? Now, had the law been completely abolished by Jesus, that would have put an end, in, in effect, to the Jewish faith. And uh, I believe that the Jews still have a special place with God. And if you look carefully through the Old Testament, you can see many prophecies. Some of them have not yet been fulfilled and refer to the Jews. So there's something going on, but uh, we have to wait with excitement to find out how that works out. If the law was abolished completely, we'd have no moral code at all. And that would mean that we would be living in an age of not just liberalism uh, or anarchism, but complete lawlessness, which would uh, lead to a complete breakdown in society. So let us see what replaces these commandments. As I say, I had difficulty in figuring out the purpose of the law, and so I went to uh, Exodus to just before God gave Moses all those laws. And in chapter 19, we see uh, that he gives this as a, uh, for a treasured people um, who would be priestly kings in exchange for obedience. Later on in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 and 16, the covenant also added life and prosperity for the people. Uh, but now, specifically, it adds love of the Lord as well. So maybe the, the purpose of the law is just simply, be holy because I am holy, said the Lord. However, we need ourselves constant instruction, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Now, the Jewish legal system required complete uh, adherence to the law. It wasn't the case that one law was less important than another, although we'll come to that in a minute. God requires complete holiness. And recognising man's sinful nature set up an elaborate system of sacrifice to deal with that sin and broken law. But Jesus still stresses 
the importance of not breaking the law. The Pharisees took this to a higher level. They put in an elaborate system to try and make sure that it would stop them from breaking the law and uh, by adding many rules. So starting with what we find in the Old Testament, which is, depending on who you ask, is 611 or 613 laws, which they call the mitzvot, they added literally thousands of little rules. And they described that as building a hedge round the law. But they ended up spending more time tidying up the hedge than actually entering God's wonderful garden. And I think the Pharisees took it to an even higher level, almost uh, some sort of fervent rabbinic topiary, I think uh, I would describe it. So just as an aside, in this passage, we see Jesus mentions not just the law, but also the prophets. And when you see that written in the New Testament, it's a shorthand way of covering the whole of the Old Testament. So not abolishing the prophets as well also means that we need to look carefully at what's in those messages. And we see there's much encouragement there, but also quite a number of warnings. But we get to see the Gentiles mentioned as well, which is good for us, isn't it? Well, in the Church of England as well, I suppose. So uh, that is something that maybe the Jews often neglect. One thing to note is some of these prophecies have not yet been fulfilled. So let's keep reading those passages and get some excitement about what's coming in the future. So Jesus showed that mankind, living a life without breaking God's law, was possible. But he provided a way in which we could have salvation through him, using his once-for-all sacrifice. I think you'd agree that that's probably a better way than keeping all the laws. I guess, technically, you could possibly work your way to salvation if you didn't break any laws. But it's too late if you've already broken one. You can't do that anymore. And I was, uh, I was quite amazed by the Psalm 51 that you put up. It says, that goes all the way back to your conception. So it's quite a hard thing to have got through your life to the point where you've not broken any laws and you're going to continue to do so. So I'd suggest don't try. So, but also... It says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, which is in Galatians chapter 3, which is quoting Deuteronomy. Cursed is anyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. But the good news is accepting Jesus, and then we have salvation. However, it's still a challenge. Jesus changed the emphasis of the laws. And if you go through, continue through the Sermon on the Mount, you see things like murder now includes character assassination. Adultery also includes sins of the mind. Later on, we see him revoking laws of Jewish, the Jewish food laws, and he abolishes the principles like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. 
A more compelling repealing of these Jewish laws, you, you'd have to go through the Axia of the Apostles and the, the letters, because then you have... It, it's only after Jesus' sacrifice that they could write so fully about how that elaborate system of sacrifices is no longer necessary after Jesus' all-encompassing sacrifice at Calvary. So I like to think about the law more like the highway code. In itself, the highway code isn't the law. Uh, It's an instruction guide to help you. In fact, to quote the highway code, the aim of the highway code is to promote safety on the road whilst also supporting a healthy, sustainable, and efficient transport system. So the highway code is less of a hedge, more of a path or motorway. If we keep the code, then we're, not, we're going to avoid breaking the law, but also we're going to be a more considerate driver. However, we don't get complete immunity through Jesus or a, a get-out-of-jail card. And although he has, we have assured forgiveness, sin has consequences and does leave scars. But I won't dwell on that. I'm sure you might have experience of sin and been, sin being done to you. So now let's turn to the next passage, which is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Do unto others what you have them do to you. This is called the golden rule and is embodied in many religions, including, for example, Buddhism, Confucianism, Taoism, and even some non-religious faiths. However, there's one big difference for most of them. They have the negative golden rule which says, don't do to anyone what you wouldn't like them to do to you. This is not the same. Doing nothing would be all right with that. But Jesus actually tells us to do. In general, we're to be doers of the word, not just hearers. So to help us, in the next passage, we have an easy way to remember how to keep the, the laws our own sort of highway code, a lot more memorable than legalism. So just to test you before we get the answer from the third passage, what is the first fruit of the Spirit? Love, yes. Of these that remain, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is... Yes. God is love, yes. So what's love got to do with it? Have we got the next passage? And the next next slide? Right, yeah. So this passage takes on an extra dimension, which is love. Love of neighbours, and most importantly, love of God. To know him is to love him. The passage from Matthew 22, we've now leapt all the way through to the last week Uh, Holy Week, that we would call it. And it's where he was being confronted by some of the leading Jewish teachers at the time. And this is a question, Jesus was asked a question by a teacher of the law. So 
someone that would know the law very well. They, for a number of times, they tried to trap him and uh, were astounded by his replies. And he completely shut up the, the Sadducees, for instance. So they asked him, pick out the greatest commandment. Now, I'm sure they'd all lined up already how to respond to his, what he was going to say. There'd be all sorts of different rabbis there, all with their own particular pet topics. You know, some would be really keen on things like the Lord of the Sabbath, and some might be more into the sacrifice or, or the circumcision party. So it depended on which rabbinic school that they were following. Now, the bottom line is that God still wants your love. Jesus' reply completely floored them. No surprise that we get this inside response from the author of the law. Maybe this answers my earlier question, really, the purpose of the law. God is love. And as Stephen Everard said on Tuesday at Doris's funeral, that's who he is, that's what he does. Jesus' reply requires us to love. What challenges me is not the word love, but the word all. All you need is love. All my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. In Mark's gospel, we additionally get all my strength. That's some challenge, and it, I believe it leaves nothing out. So we are to love God and our neighbour. And if we want to know who our neighbour is, then maybe you would find one on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. So who might that be then? <laughs> Anyone? The Good Samaritan, yeah. Well, actually, what you, who you might meet is a teacher, of a, a, a rabbi or a, a Levite or a person that's just been beaten up. <laughs> that's more likely to be your neighbour than the, the Good Samaritan. I think perhaps we ought to pick the ones that need your love the most. So just to make it even more of a challenge, Jesus also said, love your enemies. So to finish off, what is this thing called love? That's uh, almost a start of a song, isn't it? And actually, I wonder if you've noticed some titles of songs buried in what I've been saying. Interestingly, when I, when I started off on this uh, passage, I immediately thought love, and I thought I tied myself completely in knots because there are four words for love in Greek, there are three words for love in Hebrew, and there are two words for love in Aramaic, but only one in English, and rather disappointingly, it rhymes only with glove, shove, and turtle dove. <laughs> so what love should we have here? What love are we meant to manifest? And a challenge for us this week, maybe we could uh, do to someone as we would like them to do to us, but to do it to someone 
that wouldn't be doing it back to us as an expression of love. Love your neighbour and love of God. How deep is your love? And for inspiration, let's look to Jesus. It's a love that gave up a heavenly dwelling to be among us. It's a love that endured rejection from his very own people. It's a love that is interceding for us right now. It's a love that wept for the city where he was executed and wept for those who were unbelievers. It's a love that touched the untouchables. It's a love that healed all who came to him. It's a love that he wants wants us to be with him in the new Jerusalem as his bride. It's a love that went to the cross to fulfill the consequences of the law and release us for service. Our loving response should be to offer up our lives in heart, mind, and soul. So let us sing as a prayer our response to God who loves us, the God who is love. Let us sing, I will offer up my life. Amen. Amen.